Well, Jubilee, welcome. It is a joy to open God's Word with you again this morning. Our sermon card got a little adjusted, as many of you know. Didn't plan for a tragedy several weeks ago, and that, uh, uh, in, in God's providence, adjusted our sermon card. And so what was supposed to be a few weeks ago sermon is this morning, Psalm 9. Next week we'll be in Psalm 10. In two weeks, we will be celebrating our anniversary here at Jubilee, our ninth anniversary. Pretty crazy to think about that. Where's Simeon Arand? Simeon, are you here somewhere? Simeon, stand up. Back row, that section. Simeon, stand up on the pew for us. Simeon is as old as Jubilee. So if you want to know how old we are, you just talk to Simeon. He's sharp cookie. He'll tell you a lot, which is great. And... Uh, for our anniversary service, a good friend, Pastor Nathan Knight, pastor of Restoration Church, fellow TCT pastor and fellow TCT church from Washington, D.C., will be coming with his family to join us and preach that message. And then we'll have one more message in Psalms. We're going to have a little more time in Psalms, but we'll do one more in Psalm uh, 11, and then we will turn the corner to our fall series, which we'll tell you more about in the weeks to come. Renee asked a great question at the beginning during her announcement about uh, sermons. I am hopeful that, that uh, each week the sermons do have an impact, and I think they do, but, uh, but a great question about people that have impacted us. And it's funny because as, as, we were, as she was asking that question, of course, different names go through your, your brain. But I was thinking about someone that in 1996, I was a very new believer and uh, had never had a job in ministry before. And for some reason, God blinded the eyes of a godly youth pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church named Brad Nelson, and he hired me to work with him. And for nine and a half years, we worked side by side doing youth ministry together at Bethlehem. And as I opened my eyes, there's Brad visiting, and Brad hadn't been here at Jubilee too many times to visit, but Brad, can you stand up for a second? Brad's a great picture of just what Renee asked in terms of mentorship, because Brad never mentored me. He just allowed me to watch his joy in Jesus through many ups and downs, but there are few people in the world I know that have more consistently shown and displayed a joy in Jesus uh, to hundreds, probably thousands of youth and uh, across so many nations as he served the nation. So, brother, I know that you hate this, but just thankful to God for you, thankful that he brought you here today. Uh, connected to Renee's question, and just thankful for God's grace in my life uh, through you. So thank God for Brad for with me. Yeah, thank you. Our text this morning is in the book of Psalms, the ninth Psalm. I invite you to turn there with me. Psalm 9, as we prepare to read it, is 10 couplets, 10 uh, pairs of verses, and we're going to see it laid out in three sections, three couplets, then four, then three, and we're going to break it down as we go, but as we're reading this, you can see that it it breaks down three, and then four, and three, and I'll, I'll unpack that outline in a moment, but Psalm 9 is our text. Would you please stand for the reading of the inspired Word of God. Psalm 9, 
the ninth psalm to the choir master, according to the Muthlaban, a psalm of David. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But Yahweh sits enthroned forever. He has established His throne for justice, and He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. Yahweh is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know Your name put their trust in You, for You, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek You. Sing praises to Yahweh who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples His deeds. For He who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made Himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Hagiayan, Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations Know that they are but men. Selah. May God bless the reading of His Word. You can have a seat. As humans, we live lives that are filled with emotion. In the same day, we can experience anxiety and happiness. Sadness gives way to inspiration or vice versa. 
We experience anger, and then we experience joy. And our emotions can be very powerful. And at times, they can be very hard to know what we are to do with them. And we may wonder, what does God think of my emotions? Well, friend, God is a God of emotion. The Word of God describes our Creator's emotions as He expresses them all over the pages of His Scripture. And over the course of summers, we come back to the book of Psalms again and again for a few weeks and dip our toe into the water of God's songbook. For the book of Psalms is God's inspired songbook, and it is filled with emotion. For many, the book of Psalms is a favorite because of its emotion, because it expresses the range of human emotion. It expresses it through poetry and through song. It is filled with questions to God. It is filled with lyrics for our hearts to sing to God in our pain and in our celebration. And in psalm after psalm, we see an emotion that is expressed in the idea that theologians speak of, of the already and not yet. That is, there are things that are true already, that God has won the victory, that His kingdom has come, and yet they are also true not yet. The fullness of His kingdom has not come. He is not fully reigning and ruling as He will, though He is now already. He is not yet in His fullness as He will one day. And these songs reflect that reality, that there are things that are true of God, and yet things we are longing to be more true, even as we read here in Psalm 9, promises mingled together with pain, suffering mingled together with struggle, hurting mingled together with hoping. Psalms help us as we feel powerfully that all around us is not as it should be. That to follow God is to live in a struggle, to believe what is true tomorrow at work or when you get home tired. It's a struggle to believe what is true. It's a struggle to look ahead to what will be even as we live too often with the discouragement of what is. It's the battle to believe what is true about God as we look around and see the wicked so often living without many visible consequences. And so we come, friends, to God. And we come to His Word to have our hearts reset on what is true. We come to Psalm 9, which is part of a match set with Psalm 10, which we'll get to next week. But there are some that would say this is one long psalm. Because in the Hebrew, it is, forms an acrostic, starting with Psalm 9, flowing into Psalm 10, beginning with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. 
They certainly go together in some way, whether they were one psalm, one song or not, we don't know for sure. But this morning we will focus on Psalm 9, next week Psalm 10. And as we said, we want to break this psalm down 20 verses, 10 couplets into three parts. Three pairs, then four pairs, then three pairs, all right? In the first three, we want to see uh, the idea of glorify. In the second set of four, we want to see the idea of grow. And in the last three, we want to see the the idea of going, all right? Which this is the mission statement of Jubilee. We exist to glorify God, to grow in Christ and to go in the power of the Spirit. But we want to see this fleshed out in this psalm. So begin with glorify. Why glorify? Why does the psalm start the way that it does? It starts with glorifying God. The psalm begins with God. This song begins with God. It's a great psalm to begin your day with, even the first two verses. Why do we begin with God? Because when we wake up, our minds are going to go somewhere. They might go to our phones and start reading about, oh boy, the market is down already. Another bit of news with China. Oh, the election, it's going to ramp up and it's going to wrap everybody's emotions around it. Where do we begin our day? God reminds us not to be like Peter on the water looking to himself, not to be like those disciples fretting and scared in the boat, though I and you, if we're honest, are very often find ourselves there looking at ourselves and freaking out about the latest challenges we're facing that are very real, looking around, seeing life is hard. But instead, this psalm points us to God, points us to God. And so look in this first pair in, in verses 1 and 2, four great I will declarations. How to begin your day? Begin with God. What will we do with God? I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So the challenges are coming. But this psalm starts with God and starts with these great four declarations. How do you begin your day? Begin with, I will, I will, I will, I will. I would invite you to consider this week waking up each day and drawing your heart, preaching your heart and saying, heart, we're going to make these four declarations on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. What are the four? I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. What do I have to be thankful for? I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. How has God been good? I will be glad and exult in you. Wherever my heart wakes up. It's an echo of Psalm 5 here. We exult in you. And I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Which is an echo of Psalm 7. As we go through these psalms, they just echo again and again and again. But what a beautiful day, beautiful way to begin your day with these four I will statements. So how are you going to begin your day? With your phone or with praise from this song? With world news and stress or Psalm 9? It is a great place to begin your day. We begin by glorifying God because He is worthy. Verse 3, now it turns 
And hear what David says. He says, when my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. Now as David is saying this, all of his enemies are not conquered. There have been some, but he is stating a reality that is true already and true not yet. But he knows ultimately this will be true. And throughout this psalm, we're going to see this reality, that there are things that are true already and yet not yet. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before your presence. They all haven't done this yet, but they will. All the enemies of God will be turned back before His presence. And then David's perspective looks to God and he speaks to God. And see, look for the word you in verse 3. Look for it in verse 4. Look for it in verse 5. Verses 6 and verse 6. He just keeps saying, you, 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 you. And he's speaking to God personally. He knows God and he's speaking to God. Why glorify God? Verse 4, you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. Already? And not yet in completion. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. Sounds pretty good, right? It's all wrapped up, right? No problems, right? Cue the end music. We're good. Except we keep our finger in Psalm 9. We look over at Psalm 10, which goes together. And what do we read there? Of these enemies and persecutors. Of these opponents and ones who hate us. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. The wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. It goes on and on about the wicked and what they're doing and how painful it is and how hard it is. And so we have in Psalm 9 and 10 this tension here. Glorifying God for who He is, what He's done already and wrestling with the pain of what is not yet to come. Loved one, I'm sure every person in this room knows what it is to have an enemy. Knows what it is to have someone who hates you. Knows what it is to have a relationship broken. Knows what it is to have someone cut you off because of the sake of the name of our Savior. And oh, it is painful. And these psalms recognize this. There is a yes and there is a no. And yet they are together here calling us to the reality that God is God. And it's on Him that we set our affection. It's on Him that we set our trust. It's on Him that we look to knowing that He is the one that will help us, and yet life is not free from struggle. No, it is filled with struggle. 
verse 4. One more thought here from this first section and we move on. There's so many connections to other psalms. Almost every verse has connections all over the place. But in verse 4, he says, You have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. This is a, this is a similar idea to what the 140th psalm says in verse 12 when it says, I know that the Lord, that is, if you don't know, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the Lord, His, His personal name, Yahweh. So sometimes you'll hear me say Yahweh, sometimes the Lord. It's, it's written the same way in both places. It is the personal name of God, which the psalmist is expressing, which is very important. We'll see that in a moment. But he says in 140 verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. What does that mean? It means for us that we are to be like our God. We are to be a a people who is pursuing justice, who is caring for the needy. And so at Jubilee, one of the expressions of that, we've mentioned it in the past, but want to let you know that we are officially becoming a caring, well-challenged church. That is a church committed to rooting out child sexual abuse in any form, in any way, in any expression, in our church, in any church we're connected with. So there's a series of training, series of steps we're embarking on. And so just to know that's one thing that is consistent with the character of God because He maintains the cause of the afflicted. He executes justice for the needy. And so we want to be an extension of that as God helps us in this already and not yet. Hopeful that we never have occasion to uh, put some of those things into practice and praying that God would protect every one of our precious little ones even as He continues to give us those precious children. So Jubilee, we glorify God together. We rest on Him, our shield and our defender. We rest on God. Even as we said a year ago in Psalm 3, we preached that for Diodne and Dominique as they went out and they have had a year of experiencing some opposition and some trials, some things that have been very painful. And they have called this to mind again and again. They've been fighting for faith here, saying to God, like the psalmist, you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne. And I would say, continue to pray for them one year in, even as we pray for shalom as they prepare to embark. Because our hearts are like a tube flowing down the river. The world pulls us away from glorifying God. The current would pull us away. Glorifying God is not automatic. Waking up in the morning and setting our heart on God is not automatic. The current would pull us away and move us from, instead of glorifying, to forgetting. And forgetting is a theme throughout the Psalms. It's a theme in Psalm 9 and Psalm 10. For those who do not glorify God, forget God. It's not just the atheists that say, I don't want nothing to do with God. It's those that just, they know of God, but they, they, they just forget about Him. They forget about God's Word. Why, why would I spend time in God's Word? It's not very relevant. Not very timely. There's more exciting things. Like Sports. Let me forget about God and go to a game. My daughter and I had a chance to go to the Vikings preseason game yesterday. Man, you got fire, you got smoke, you got fireworks. This is amazing, right? 
We should be there Sunday after Sunday, glorifying the football team rather than God, right? No, no. Football teams let us down, but oh my, there is a pull to forget God and focus on the lights and the noise and the excitement, the shopping and the merchandise and all of it, and just slowly forget, forget, forget. So friend, consider your daily schedule as this new school year begins. What are you doing that will assist you to glorify God and keep you from forgetting Him? What will you do as a household in this new school year that will help prioritize glorifying God and not forgetting Him? Talk about that at lunch today. What is it that we will do as a household, whether it's roommates, family, couple, that we will do to glorify God this year intentionally? So verse 1 through 6, our first section, glorify God, not forget God. The second section, verses 7 down to verse 14, when I think about what it is to grow in trusting God, grow in knowing God, grow in loving God in the midst of trouble. Because growing doesn't happen just on a peaceful day at a beautiful park only growing happens in the midst of trouble in the midst of difficulty and so this second section we see growing in the midst of trouble look at verse 9 and 10 the section begins in verse 7 but but look at verse 9 and 10 and then we'll go up and and go through this section verse 9 and 10 is is so powerful might be the most significant pair in the whole psalm The Lord, that is Yahweh, is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. Why why do we want to grow? What is my aim as a pastor week after week in, in preaching God's Word? Friend, that your faith would grow that you would be prepared for the day of trouble, for it will come for each of us. And we don't prepare for it on the day of trouble. We grow little by little by little. It's not one sermon, it's many sermons. It's not one time of opening God's Word. It's many times, and we grow and we grow and we grow in our faith in God. To know Him to be a stronghold in times of trouble. Verse 10 Those who know your name. That is, those who know, God, you as a person. They know your personal name. You are Yahweh. You are the covenant-keeping God. You are the God of Hesed love, a covenant love that goes on, that will not end. Those who know your name, those who know you personally, they are the ones who put their trust in you. This is a trust that is growing, a faith that is growing. Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. Friend, are you one who seeks God today? 
For the thing God is looking for today is not those who have done it all right. The thing God is looking for today is not those who have a flawless record. Not those who have had a pain-free week. But those in the midst of our stumbling, those in the midst of our tears, who say to God, God, I seek You. I want You. I want You more than money. I want You more than my sports team to win. I want You more than a relationship. I want You. Those are the ones He speaks of here. And this is what it is to grow. It's a growing of trusting and a growing of seeking. Trusting in His name and seeking His face. And in each one of these pairs, 7 and 8, 9 and 10, 11 and 12, 13 and 14, we see one common theme. You can mark it in your Bibles if you've got a pen. In each one of these pairs, we don't see God referred to as a distant deity. We see His personal name. personal name. Think about when someone addresses you not just with your name but your full name, your first name, your middle name, your last name. The people that do that know you very well. Might be a parent, might be a close friend. And you go, whoa. I'm reminded. Somebody knows my name. And the God who created the heavens and the earth invites us to know His name. And in every pair, we see His name. And He is inviting us as His people. He says, trust me. Trust my name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it are safe. Seek me. Seek my face. You see it in the first pair, 7 and 8? But the Lord, that is Yahweh, He sits enthroned forever. He has established His throne for justice. Why do we seek Him? Why do we trust Him? Because He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. And we see this is true already. And we see this is true not yet. And so, Jubilee and Shalom, you will experience this. The judgment of God that we trust in. And the judgment of God that we cry out for. That second pair, 9 and 10, we see in verse 9, Yahweh is a stronghold for the oppressed. And we see in verse 10, For you, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. Then we see it again in verses 11 and 12. Sing praises to Yahweh, because He sits enthroned in Zion. Our hearts lifted up again and again. God, 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 our God is Yahweh and He is enthroned. Amen? What we need is God. Your greatest need, my greatest need, is to know God. And so these songs, these psalms are calling us, inviting us to know God and to know His name and to put our trust in His name. And so in each one of these pairs, there's an invitation Trust me. Seek me. Instead of ignoring me and drifting from me. Which is what we see others doing. We will see much more in Psalm 10 about those who forget God. Who say God has forgotten. He's hidden His face. He'll never see it. I'm just going to do whatever I want. 
I'm forgetting God and he's forgotten me and what's the big deal? He says, no, no, don't be those who ignore and forget and drift. Be those who trust and seek. And then that last pair in this section, be gracious to me, O Yahweh. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death that I may recount all your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I may rejoice in your salvation. And oh, to know God in this way, even in our affliction, even when we feel that we are at the gates of death, even when we are facing enemies. God is God. He is a personal name. And we are to trust and we are to seek His name. Well, as Renee said, we grow little by little through people and through sermons. A tree doesn't grow strong in a day. The roots don't go down deep in a day. And so it's very doubtful that this sermon will change your life. But it may be like one day's worth of water and one day's worth of sun. And week after week, your roots, I pray, will go down deep. And I think about what it is to trust and seek and to grow. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago that when we were down at Jack's Calcote's funeral with Jason and Anna, Anna through many tears said, thank you so much for all the promises you taught. They are what we are standing on. And friends, this is why we are in God's Word right now. Because we want to be a people who are believing promises, believing each one of these pairs to be true about who our God is, who Yahweh is, about His character, about where He's at sitting enthroned forever a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name put their trust in you. We are growing, Jubilee and Shalom. We pray you will be growing in the knowledge of Him. Amen? 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us everything we need that pertain to life and godliness, and it all comes through the knowledge of him. Everything we need comes through knowing God. This week, you're going to face a battle. Thoughts are going to come into your mind that are going to be questions or accusations. Is my ministry in vain? Has my parenting been a failure? Is there ever going to be hope for this broken relationship? Will God ever show up and answer this prayer request that I've asked him of. And in each of these, we must fight for what is true with promises. We must fight for what is true, for what God has said. And he says he's a stronghold in times of trouble. That's true. We can trust in that. When he invites us, to know His name and put our trust in Him, 
It is like Psalm 91 when he says, because he holds fast to me in love, I deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. Those who know his name, he will deliver. Take it to the bank. This is a promise. The name of the Lord is powerful. The name of the Lord is to be trusted in. And as we go from the old to the new, we see the name of the Lord expressed in the name of Jesus, which we have been singing about this morning. And in the book of Acts, we see the name of Jesus advancing and spreading and used in power. The name of Jesus is more powerful than demons and casts them out. The name of Jesus starts to spread in cities and cities change. It's the name of Jesus that churches are planted with. It's the name of Jesus that spreads and goes everywhere. In Acts 8, It says, when they believed Philip, he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. And many were baptized, both men and women. In Acts 19, it said that this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And then in Acts 21, Paul says, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus the Lord Jesus. His name is worthy of dying for and His name is worthy to be trusted in because He delivers. He is a stronghold for all who trust in His name. Amen? So as we work, we work as those who are in Christ. As we love, we love as those who are loved by Christ. As we comfort, we comfort as those who are comforted by Christ. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. First three pairs, we glorify God. Second set of pairs, the the four pairs in the middle, we're trusting and seeking the name of Yahweh. And now this last section, very briefly, the last three pairs, I want to think about this call that God gives us, this commission on this Sunday of commissioning to go and make disciples. As we look at these last three pairs, look at 15 and 16, 17 and 18, 19 and 20. Last thing we want to see here in these sections. There's one theme that weaves through these verses. See if you can see it. It's two words. The wicked and the nations. Every pair has multiple reference to the wicked and the nations, and these are a parallel form. They mean the same idea. And they are the nations that are ignoring God. They are the nations that are, are, are rising against God. Remember Psalm 2, why do the nations rise against you? So the wicked and the nations are synonymous. And they are all of those who are not pursuing God. They're all those who are pursuing their own kingdom, man's kingdom, man's glory, national glory, not God. And this section moves us to ask, whose kingdom are we seeking? Whose kingdom are we most concerned about? Look at each one of these pairs, 15 and 16. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord, that is Yahweh, has made Himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. 
We've got the nations have sunk in a pit. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. And again, we, we feel the tension of already and not yet. Are the nations now snared? Have the nations now sunk into a pit? In some cases, yes. Some of the nations we've read about have been destroyed, and so there isn't already. And yet we look around, and oh my, there is a lot of clamor from lots of countries that has nothing to do with Jesus and clamor from many in our city that have nothing to do with Jesus. And there's a not yet reality that they are going on just fine. Very often it would seem. And yet, here, we see something that is true about what will be. Because what will be is hope for those trusting in His name. But what will be is judgment, destruction, being cut off from those who are ignoring and angry with His name. See again that second pair, 17 and 18. The wicked shall return to the grave. There's an emphasis there. There's strong language. They will die, die, is almost the idea. To reject Jesus is to face certain destruction. All the nations that forget God. The nations that forget God are not living with the big picture in mind. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. And then this last pair. Arise, O Yahweh, let not man prevail. I heard that in Psalm 3 a year ago. Let the nations be judged before you. Psalm 2 says that exact phrase. Put them, put who? The wicked, the nations, all those who reject you. Psalm says, Lord, put them in the fear of you, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. And you say, Pastor, what does that have to do with going? It has everything to do with going. For why do we go to the nations? We go to declare to the nations far, Turkey and Cameroon and Indonesia and Sweden, and we go to the nations right around us. We go to our neighbors and friends and say, there is a kingdom that we are to seek. And it's not man's kingdom. Whoever wins in 2020 will not bring you joy, ultimately. They will not bring you salvation. Salvation is known in the name of Jesus. Around us, the world will call us to pleasures and pursuits of many kinds. And Jesus is calling us to a greater pleasure and a greater purpose. And so, shalom. Be reminded that around you will be the nations and around you will be the wicked and they will be snared in the work of their own hands and they will sink in the pit that they have made. But the Lord will not forget you. The Lord will be with you. The Lord will sustain you. And so seek first His kingdom and His righteousness because the Spirit of the Lord, as it was on Jesus, is now upon you. And the Lord has anointed you, Shalom, to bring good news to the poor. He sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim in the north side of our city liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year 
of the Lord's favor. The year of jubilee. Go and preach jubilee. And go and preach shalom in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as you go, be reminded you're not going in strength that is your own. But you go in weakness knowing that He will grant you to be strengthened in the strength that He supplies. All the fitness the old hymn says He requires is to feel your need of Him. So Jubilee, as we send in this call to go, there's going to be some empty seats in this room. We can think, oh man, we failed. There's some empty seats. The reality is no, no, no. Because Jesus is worthy, we're going to keep, as God gives us grace, to send out our best to these different nations and these different neighborhoods. This month in Shreveport, Louisiana, our former elder, Jahil Richards, and his dear wife, Ka, have begun their ministry. Senior pastor, Springs of Grace Baptist Church. We would love to have them here. We're so glad that they're there. Oh, we would love to have Diodne here. We would love even more to have Dominique here. No, we love them both. Well, let me tell you, could not be more glad that they are in Yawande, Cameroon, declaring the name of the Lord. Five years ago, the Kite family came to Jubilee. We'd love to keep them. Hutton's, six years ago? Seven years ago. Wow. That's right. We were just celebrating your birthday and we were thinking seven years ago. Amazing. I was talking with Teresa, six years ago, came over as a college student from Northwestern. Right. So many dear friends here. And yet we send and you go because Jesus is worthy. We send and you go because Jesus is worthy. Law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Shalom, go in His grace and go with His truth. And Jubilee, we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep at it. In our weakness, we're going to say, God, make us strong. We want to keep giving to support another work and another work, saying we can't support another one. And God, let Him supply for another work and another work and another work. And as Russ and Phyllis keep trusting God for another school to start in another city, how is it even possible that that keeps happening and God keeps doing it? And how is it possible that God could send another couple to another country and another church to plant another, another group to plant another church? And yet God is the God of all grace. And so in it all, we trust Him. So Jubilee, consider Psalm 9. And this week, Begin your mornings glorifying our God, giving Him thanks. Consider this school year how you might grow in faith and trust of the name of our God and Jubilee. Consider how He is calling us together in our weakness to be strengthened to go in making disciples as individuals and together. Let's pray. Father, we bless You.
for your word. We bless you for this great songbook in the book of Psalms. And oh, we pray that you would strengthen our faith day by hour, week by month. And we pray now that you would be with these friends at Shalom. We need you. And we pray that you would be God for them. We bless you in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen.